Welcome to Chat With Us, the show that talks about all things health, wellness, life and business. I'm Rachel Dillon and I'm Emma Dillon and And this this is Chat Chat With With Us. Welcome back to Chat With Us. We are kicking off season two with an app to set you up for the year ahead. We're welcoming back Toby, my fiance, to chat all things goal setting both personally and professionally how to structure them, what you need to achieve them, managing expectations of your goals, and we even give you examples along the way. So welcome, Toby. Welcome, Tobias Robert William Pierce. Good Uh, morning, baby. (laughs) It's great to have you on the podcast again. First one. Yeah, good to be back. Of 2024. How weird does that feel, saying 2024? Well, we're already almost in February as well. Yikes. So I thought today we would cover all things goals and the team was kind of floating ideas as mm-hmm. to what guests we would like to have on board and I couldn't think of anyone better. Yes, <laughs> I'm hyping you up. I couldn't think of anyone better when it comes to, you know, setting goals, strategizing how to achieve them and kind of following through. Mm-hmm. So the execution behind goals, I think, is something that's super important. But so, yeah, I put you forward. And actually, when I was talking online about setting goals with you this new year, I had so many questions. So, are you excited to be here? Oh, I am incredibly <laughs> excited to be here. Wow, you seem really excited. This is my enthusiastic face. Yeah, t- we talk about this all the time, though, that my capacity to express emotions visually is maybe not what you wish it was. <laughs> yeah, we both aren't the most enthusiastic yeah. expressionists. Well, isn't it? most of the time in the household, we walk around like this and we're like, I had the best day today. <laughs> we really do. So something that made me laugh when I was going through the questions for this podcast was a memory I have of us when we first started dating. I think we were honestly only three dates in. It was so early on. <laughs> we moved quick, but it was very early on. And I remember we were in the car, we were driving and you kind of turned to me so casually and you're just like, so... Well, what's your 60 year plan? What do you plan for children, finances, and you know, something else? And I was like, wow, we're going there. Yeah. We're, going, we're going there. Third date. Yeah. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow, let alone in 60 years. <laughs> but that was one of the things that has always stuck with me with you is that you're such a planner. You are so structured. And I feel like, as I said, I think you're the perfect guest to talk all things girls. So let's get into it. Why is it important to set goals and is there a right time to? Obviously, coming into Mm. the new year, there are a lot of different opinions on whether or not you should set New Year's goals. Mm. I personally think there's never a wrong time, but talk us through. Is it important to set them and is there a right time? Yeah, I think think when you set them is probably less important than actually setting them. Uh, In my experience, yeah, whether it was uh, as an individual – uh, as a personal trainer earlier in my career, um, yeah, as a business owner and now you know, advising and mentoring other founders. Honestly, I think most people, like from an observer's view, most people kind of autonomously experience life. And what I mean by that is that they kind of just float through. Mm. They have you know, aspirations and dreams. And I think sometimes they think they have goals, but they don't really commit to them, you know, in my opinion, in an appropriate way. And then as a result of that, a lot of people kind of end up feeling like they're losing time constantly. They're not kind of getting what they want out of life or out of relationships or out of work or their health or whatever it may be. And I think a lot of that comes down to either outright the absence of actually having a legitimate goal set or even if you have a goal set, actually setting that goal in a manner 
that is going to allow you to succeed. Mm. Yeah. And to actually enjoy the success. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times, yeah, and just to use some examples, you know, people would walk into the gym and be like, oh, yeah, I want to lose 25 kilos. And, or a business owner might come and be like, oh, yeah, next year my business did, you know, last year my business did $5 million. I want to do $10 million this year. Mm. And, you know, the issue with um, both of those things is that they're missing an important you know, criteria that I think is necessary, which is this idea of like believability, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, come to the gym, going to lose 25 kilos. It's like, well, do you have any experience losing weight? Mm. Do you currently have a lifestyle that's going to facilitate that, et cetera, et cetera? Very often the answer is no. And it's like, well, I would say that as a goal, that's more border, bordering on a dream yeah, you know, or an aspiration, you know, uh, than necessarily actually a goal that I've committed to. And that's like this key, key or core difference between the language that people use, you know, the actions that they take, which is where a lot of kind of goals mm. kind of go to die. So have you, this was a good one. And I actually, I was asking you mm. him before because I'm like, did you? Like, mm. obviously you've had a long career in business. Mm-hmm. You've come so far personally and professionally. Yeah. Did you always set goals early on or yeah. is it something you kind of developed along the way? Yeah, I, I have this belief that, you know, 10 years in the future, people kind of answer what's happening today based on what they know then. So like rather than say, oh yeah, of course I was super structured and whatever. I don't think that's necessarily like accurate. Mm -hmm. I think early on, I always had, um, I always had a really well-defined idea of what I wanted to achieve, but those were an example. Yeah. So like, yeah, in my business, you know, when I first started personal training, I was like, oh, I want to, you know, design my business to look and work and generate this, you know, um, income in this particular way. But I would almost say that at that particular point in time, a lot of the goals or, you know, kind of dreams, you know, that I had in mind were probably almost a little bit too far in the future. Mm -hmm. And, And what I mean by that is that it's all well and good to have like a longer term you know, mission or vision that you're kind of working towards personally or professionally. But part of the issue that that presents is, well, what do you do now? Mm. Like, what do I do today to, you know, get me in that direction? And so whilst I did have goals, I would say they're probably not as, they were not as useful 10 years ago, Mm. you know, as the ones that I believe I set now. So for those out there who are looking to set goals, Mm -hmm. what is the best way to set a goal and how to set yourself up for success, whether it be personal, business, what do you currently do coming into the new year to set yourself up? Yeah, so I think firstly, um, overarchingly, I think you have to write this stuff down. Mm. Right. I think without writing it down, there's no objective way to be accountable, mm. right? So like a lot of people, you know, going to go to the gym, this is my goal in my mind, they go and do it, they kind of fall off track or they do or don't, they achieve it, they don't or whatever. It's like how do you actually get the positive feeling and the positive reinforcement from success if you don't actually have something to refer back to? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also how do you keep yourself accountable to things because, you know, the – in, in our minds, we're really good at avoiding discomfort. So as, as a species, you know, as human beings, we are, we are experts. We are born experts, you know, at avoiding discomfort. And a lot of the time we will, you know, design perceptions or beliefs in our mind about why we haven't achieved something to rationalize that it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas I think like, you know, having something written down to kind of refer back to it, it's like, well, on this date, I set this goal. I did or didn't achieve it regardless of the reasons why, mm-hmm. you know, so I think writing down is very important. I think the second thing is that when you do go to write it down, you need to articulate this stuff in a, in a manner that actually facilitates success. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is I think that people need to be considerate of reality in some regard so 
let's yeah, let's kind of work through this, right? Mm-hmm. So if I set a goal, my goal is to achieve X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. Okay, that's we can understand that. That's not going to happen without a commitment of effort. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some degree of effort that your work that you put into achieving that goal. Goals don't magically occur. So we need to define what the work is. With that particular work, and this is something I recently started doing a few years ago, is, you know, well, if that's the work I have to do, what habits do I have to have in place, mm. you know, to actually achieve this? So, for example, it's like, well, if you want to, um, you know, lose this weight, well, one habit I have to build is exercising. Mm. So how do I go about, you know, actually creating the habit of exercise, mm. you know, in my day-to-day or week-to-week life? You know, two other important characteristics are, like, what, what's going to be the emotional impact of this journey and then what what is going to be the moral boundaries that I'll put in place for this journey? So... Um, from an emotional standpoint, and this is the reason why I think it's very important to separately consider this, is that the goal that you want to achieve, whatever that may be, and the level of work you have to put into that and the level of discomfort you have to you know, tolerate, none of that has any care for how it makes you feel. right? And so a lot of people fall into this trap of, I'm going to set this goal to achieve this, to do this work, and they get a little way into it, and they're like, oh, bloody hell, going to the gym is really hard, or you know, showing up to work like this is really hard. Like, I I really don't like this. This is really uncomfortable. I really don't want to do this. And it's like, okay, well, but if you had have acknowledged when setting the goal, am I going to commit to this goal if these are the emotions I'm likely to experience throughout the process, i.e. this is going to, you know, so for example, like when you first start working out, you're the most deconditioned you'll ever be. Mm. So it's going to feel the shittest. It's going to be the hardest. You're going to feel the worst about yourself Mm. probably than you ever will in that journey. And part of the issue is people set these goals and sometimes they even get to like building these habits and doing the work and then they knock themselves off the bandwagon because they haven't been um, honest with themselves about the fact that it's actually not going to feel good emotionally and mentally. The reason why I have this kind of like moral consideration outside of that is, and I think business is a really easy way to think about this. It's like, oh, well, I want to make this amount of money and I'll do this work and I'll get there at all costs. And I think that's without having some moral boundary about things we will and won't engage in, then we don't kind of have limitations to prevent us from doing the wrong thing. Mm. So I think like, you know, this kind of planning or goal setting process has to be around in, in summary form is like, what is it that want to, what do I want to achieve? What work do I have to do to get there? And what habits are actually going to facilitate me to regularly do that work? What emotions am I kind of willing to tolerate, you know, throughout that process and what like moral boundaries will I set in mm. order to kind of help me achieve that goal? And I think like that, um, that kind of collective framework is, is really useful in the sense that because for some people it will actually mean that as they're writing this down, as I said before, they might actually decide, well, shit, maybe I really don't want that. Mm. You know, because a lot of people, and this is the other thing I said earlier about kind of dreams and aspirations, like everyone wants to be better, look better, feel better, make more money, achieve this, whatever it is, everyone has different values, but everyone has things they want to do, right? The biggest disconnect that exists with, almost 100% of people, and this is even with myself included when I'm sometimes thinking about my goals, I'm like, that they don't appropriately consider the, you know, this notion of reality. It's like, this is probably going to suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think sometimes the example, uh, a really great example here is, you know, people look at um, incredibly successful athletes and, you know, normally it's like the Kobe Bryant's, the Michael Jordan's or whatever of the world. And they're like, oh, you know, I would love to be like that. It's like, no, you wouldn't. If you had to eat the same food every day, train three or four times a day, every single day, be sore all the time, mm. sacrifice friendships and this, that and the other. It's like they're the emotional and in some cases your know, moral considerations that you need to have. It's like if you're not willing to trade those in exchange for whatever this goal gives you otherwise, 
well, then it's not an appropriate goal for you. You're not ready or don't truly want to commit to it. And so the overarching thesis there is that a lot of people's goals fail because they don't actually consider what's necessary in advance of it. So then they actually end up designing a really, really great environment to feel crap about themselves mm. and then to motivate them to not set goals because their whole history of setting goals makes them feel like shit. I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that's the moral part I definitely have not considered. Mm. What's a good example that you set for yourself mm-hmm. this new year that you yeah. can share that you've done that has been uncomfortable but yeah. you considered that uncomfortability in your – yeah. Yeah. And um, why? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, look – Oh, we all know what he's going to say. We all know. <laughs> I think this is a great opportunity oh, to talk about God. a very valuable topic that I think all people should engage in. And that is, of course... The plunge pool. Well, no, or we'll, we'll, Yeah, we'll do the plunge oh. pool, but first it's jiu-jitsu. I mean, that's always <laughs> the top of the list. So, uh, uh, yeah, really interesting one. Uh, a lot of people who, you know, do sports or, or in this case do martial arts and train jiu-jitsu, there's belts, belts, grade you, in theory, based on your capability or competence. That's not always right, but that's the general idea. And a lot of people get tied up in this idea of like, oh, how do I get to blue belt or how do I get to purple belt or whatever it may be. And so, yeah, one of the things for me has been this idea of like, well, I've started to phase away from that and I've more started to lean into this goal of like, I just want to be really good, Mm. you know, and so I want to be deserving of, you know, whatever that next level is for me. And then when I look at that, if that's kind of the goal, well, then, you know, the work that I have to do is obviously train a lot and the habits that I have to put in place are like, well, what do I have to do to get myself to training all the time? What do I have to do to make sure that I'm not missing out on training because of injury or, you know, whatever it might be? You know, and then so like from an emotional standpoint, you know, um, for me at the moment, uh, we've obviously just moved, you know, here to Queensland. I don't know anyone. So in Adelaide, it was really easy for me to go to jujitsu because I had friends there and this and that and the other. And now I'm here. I'm like, well, every time I go, I'm the new guy. I don't know the people. That's uncomfortable, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, and so I need to make sure that I'm, you know, setting myself up for success by making sure that I have habits in place to do that. And so part of that for me is like one um, my overarching kind of like thesis for this year is whatever the uncomfortable thing is, do it immediately. Mm, that's I my that. that's my overarching thing for this year with a goal setting. So for me, that's like a, an overarching principle I'm trying to align to. And then that helps me, you know, rationalize, you know, the desire to not train. Because every time I think about training or going somewhere, I'm like, oh, it's a different club or a different place or different people. It's uncomfortable. It, it's really, yeah, it's really uncomfortable. But then I come back to this idea that, well, the goal is to be deserving of this skill, mm-hmm. get really good. You know, the work I have to do is pretty simply train and study and make sure I'm not injured so I can keep getting to that, you know, that training. And then every single time I go, I have to overcome this battle of, you know, discomfort and awkwardness, which for me as a introvert yeah. is a, is actually quite a big, you know, hill to climb. Yeah. I love that. I definitely thought you were going to talk about the plunge pool. No. If you want to talk about the plunge pool, I mean. Toby's, one of his things was to go <laughs> to do the plunge pool every day because, again, his goal being he wants to do the uncomfortable immediately. Yeah. But it's not even just the plunge. No, we need to go into depth. So Toby has like a fear of water. Yeah, I have a fear of being submerged in water. Yeah. And then even more specifically, like uh, being in above waist water, waist height water in the ocean. You can imagine, like he's dating me. I'm like obsessed with the beach, swimming, (laughs) pool. And I remember like I would always say, let's go to the beach. And he, he just, you never wanted to. But I was incredibly, I was an expert at avoiding that discomfort. He thinks that he saw a shark once when he was young and then he's... Been I was nine years old, I was in Port Lincoln, I was wearing a snorkel <laughs> and I saw a shark. He reckons the shark was right at his face and then he can never go in the water again. Yeah, but anyway, you've yeah. come so far, yeah. you plunge every day and you 
You went for a swim at the beach when we went away. Yeah, I did, yeah. Which was, <laughs> honestly, I don't know if it was my cardio that was struggling or the anxiety that was like like tightening my chest while we were walking <laughs> through the water, but yeah. What's your thoughts on there being rewards or incentives for achieving goals? Yeah, I think, I think it um, depends on the context a little bit, f- firstly. And then I think secondly as well, I think mm, it's maybe generally speaking society's ideas of rewards i would say are perhaps a little um mm. you know skewed yeah right so um maybe you know two two examples someone goes oh you know i want to get really lean for beach season and look good feel good whatever it may be yeah and then they, they kind of get to a certain point or whatever that may be and they're like oh cool yeah i've, I've, I've earned myself a cheat meal mm. yeah and the whole idea is like cool so you've earned yourself the right to take yourself further away from your goal mm. like in, rather in, in, than it might be like i'm gonna buy myself a new bikini well yeah or, or i'm gonna buy myself some new active yeah. wear like or we could you know and this is a slightly more <laughs> blunt view it's like or congrats you did what you set out to do <laughs> yeah and this this is probably the good segue to a uh this is a professional view that i have you know, from from uh you know my career experience surrounding the idea of people management you know and employment you know and that is that um in the most like the most simple direct language possible the word employ means to make use of the word employment therefore means to make use of an individual skills and capabilities for commercial gain mm-hmm. right so when we employ someone we employ them i will pay you this salary in exchange for that salary you will use this skills and capabilities to deliver this work mm-hmm. right and then normally once a year in most organisations, people get a um, you know, a performance score. And in simple terms, it's normally you're either not meeting expectations, you're meeting expectations, or you're exceeding expectations. Mm-hmm. And most people will take their salary and then they'll deliver the work in exchange for their salary. But then they expect to get an exceeding expectations mm-hmm. on their scorecard. And because that they believe that's their reward and then they want to link that to you know um, a pay rise or whatever it may be. And that, that's fair enough. I can understand how people get there. But it's like you were given X in exchange for Y. Mm. If you gave Y and you received X, then you met the expectation of that agreement. So the reward should be the continuation of that agreement. The reward shouldn't be some huge celebration or a bonus or a pay rise or whatever. It's like, well, you made a commitment in exchange for something. You got everything, i.e. the salary. So you should feel really positive about the fact that you upheld your end of the contract. Mm. And I think a lot of people set goals and they expect to kind of get to this destination and be like, I feel great, I'm so awesome. And they're looking for some emotional climax. Mm. And it's like, well, the emotional reward should be, um, you know, confidence. Yeah. Right? Like I committed to doing something and look at me, hell yeah, I did it. Yeah, and I think the more you set goals, the less you tie it to that and celebration like 100%. I look at competing early mm. on to mm. to the end of my um, competing career and it was no longer about you know stepping on stage it was mm. about the journey what yeah. I was achieving that feeling of getting up each day showing up for myself and doing mm. what I said I was going to mm. do and then building confidence <coughs> and it's the same in business at, at the beginning like oh but once the business gets here I won't have any more stress and you know <laughs> <laughs> it'll be yeah. all good and everything's gonna be great and then you realize like that's not how life works. Yeah. And so and how do you start to celebrate the small, yeah. the small little things, and yeah, less yeah. tie it less to that end goal. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. the goals get like to your point. The goals get much, much more uh, nuanced yeah. over time. You know, like early on, like people, especially in business, like oh, I want to make this money. Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously over the years, it becomes more sophisticated. Sometimes it becomes less about money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, I think an example from my own experience, you know, when 
building um, your businesses earlier in my career, it was all about like win, 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 win as fast as possible, you know, this, that, and the other. And the more I've had experience, the more I realized like, well, yes, you can kind of increase or decrease the rate at which things happen in a business environment. But a lot of things are really out of your control. You know, the people, the market, the customers, you can't mm. control all those things. Mm. And so over time for me, it really became less about winning and winning quickly. And I was like, well, how do I do this really efficiently with low stress? Mm. You know, how can I manage an organization or manage a team of people, which I, you know, we talk about this quite a lot at home. You know, how can I do this where these employees are really engaged? They perform really well and it just works. Mm. And like that sounds like such a boring simple you know agreement but for anyone listening who either runs a business or kind of uh, owns a business or in some similar capacity will understand just getting the thing to work mm. is really hard mm. you know it's like having this goal of like i just want it to work smoothly and then like trying to achieve that is actually an awesome goal mm. as opposed to like oh, i just want to make a squillion dollars or whatever the you know more conventional goals may be this is a great one for you because you're literally the most organized person i've ever met <laughs> to the point where i feel like you have so- you've rubbed off on me I was probably, I'm organized in a weird way. I, I can't explain it. but Organized chaos? I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I'm organized chaos. And I feel like since meeting Toby, you know, we just went away for the weekend and I did up our itinerary. Which you is, might notice that throughout the organization <laughs> that I deliberately didn't engage or like do anything at all. I just sat back and watched and I was so pleased. You know, <laughs> there was the Google Doc with an itinerary. Yeah. It was segmented by day and time and activity. Yeah. Who was organizing what thing in the family? Oh, it was a it was a pleasure to experience. It's really rubbed off on me, and honestly, <laughs> like now I like to have a plan because mm. I'm like we know that going on a holiday without a plan is never as good as going yeah. on one with. I one. think that rule that um sorry that rule holds holds true for most things. Like mm. A lot of people don't like the idea of being too structured and too planned, and without. Yeah, I'm not saying that Especially you shouldn't. creative people. Yeah, and I'm not saying you shouldn't allow for like yeah creativity and serendipity in life, but I think. A lot of people who would push hard against like having structure and a plan really are doing so because of the emotional discomfort that's associated with accountability. Mm. You know, like people really don't like that. So, like, you know, like I have this spreadsheet. It's my 365-day habit tracker and it literally says the three, four, five things I want to do a day with a box. Check yes or no if mm. I did it on a certain day and I look at it throughout the year. And there is like like in my mind i'm like oh i've been doing this so much you know rah, rah, whatever and then you know, open it that day, i was like oh then do a workout for four days <laughs> oh that's right oh yeah because i flew here and i went there and i did this and oh shit you know and that degree of accountability like a lot of people don't like for me i'm like awesome great you know now now i can go okay well i haven't got that result because i didn't do this thing mm. yeah but a lot of people really don't like having a plan and a structure because it actually drives them further towards discomfort it moves you closer to discomfort which is what you need in order to achieve outsized results and achieve your goals. You need to be able to move towards and tolerate discomfort. But a lot of people just don't like that. Which is why even though I've been training for 10 plus years, um, I was telling you the other day, something happened with my um, app and I was I wanted to do a workout and I couldn't get into my app and I was like, like really frustrated. I didn't realize how much I relied on having this little mm. like app that kind of told me what to do and I could tick it off and, you know, yeah. it kept me accountable because I yeah. don't really have a personal trainer or anything like that. So I feel it's funny how even if we've been doing something for yeah. so long and really it is a habit to a certain degree, mm. even still there's days where you need to be held accountable. Well, yeah, and I think even with this idea of habits too, I think uh, the more I've explored this on a personal basis, the more I've realized that habits are super sneaky. Mm. You know, so a lot of people yeah, think... unhealthy habits. Yeah, 100%. Well, not, not even just that. Like I think a lot of people think about a habit as, oh, you know, I wake up in the morning and I go downstairs and have a coffee. 
It's like, that's my daily routine. That's my daily habit. It's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. But if we kind of pull away some more layers, there, there's also a lot of things. It's like, oh, well, if I feel this emotion, this habit will run. Yeah. You know, so like, and for a lot of people, it's like, oh, if I feel discomfort, well, you know, okay, well, I'll move away from that. And mm-hmm. that's like a habitual response to discomfort. And I would say that's, um, you know, a habit that is not positively contributing to where people want to go in life. But a lot of people don't recognize that as a habit, right? They don't even recognize it at all. They're not even consciously yeah. aware of that. Yeah. yeah, I even found like obviously the end of last year, well, the last like six months of the year, I was showing up and working out nowhere near mm. as consistent as I would have liked. Um, but I also was noticing an, a habit of kind of, oh, I went to the gym, but I didn't really mm. go to the gym. Mm. So like when I was at the gym, did I push myself to like, was I pushing myself in my sessions mm. or was I sort of ticking a box? And even that habit of just kind mm. of, not keeping myself accountable as to whether or not I'm actually training with intensity yeah. is a great example of I'm still doing a task, but am I actually doing the task or mm. am I just doing the task? So yeah. Well, this is a really, yeah. I think this is a really interesting idea as well though, right? In the sense that a lot of people, uh, you know, set goals and sometimes they define habits and work that they're going to do for it. And they, when they do it, they have no celebration. It's just a box mm. ticked. When they don't do it, it's massive internal punishment, yeah. right? And so like, you know, in, in business, you know, we have like a budget or, or a PL or whatever that says we did or didn't hit these goals and didn't, didn't meet these points, right? And everyone who's been in business and done that knows you hit some, you don't hit others, you hit more this month, you hit less next month, you know, like there's, a, there's a degree of acceptable variance in reality. And I think a lot of people also fall off the bandwagon with their goals because they say, oh, I'm going to do these things. Yeah. And they do six out of seven days or whatever. And they're like, oh, I'm shit. I'm angry. I'm this, that, that. Oh, that's just a great excuse to not do the next day. Yeah. Now, if you were to follow like the really extreme school of thought, you know, you might say, well, yeah, six out of seven is not good enough. Mm-hmm. If that's the level that you want to operate your life at, yeah. which brings me right back to the initial framework. Well, emotionally, what am I willing to tolerate? Because yeah. I'm not willing to tolerate the amount of discomfort that comes with like inverted commas perfection, you know, with my work effort and, and habits. It's like, well, then don't set perfection as a goal. It's like a lot of people are like, oh, I want to exercise seven days a week. Therefore, anything less than seven is a failure. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if you really can't commit to that, don't. Yeah. Commit to five yeah. or four or whatever it may be. Yeah, I agree. So the initial question, how mm. do you stay organized and manage your time effectively? Well, I can nearly answer that for you. <laughs> Katie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, how long's Katie been We worked together for... Six, six and a half years, I think. It'd be coming up, or coming up seven, I think. Yeah. Katie's one of the most efficient women I've ever met. Yeah. So for, for those of you who are listening, um, you actually you called Katie once yeah, in the podcast about the, the podcast. proposal. Yeah. But yeah, so Katie's been uh, my EA or executive assistant for, yeah, well over half a decade now. Um, Crazy. Yeah. And she's, she's awesome at her job. Um, but yeah, Katie is definitely a massive support for that. I think for people that don't, that don't have a Katie, um, <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, I think the idea of you know managing your time like as a proxy for effort, but then also using the design of your management for time to achieve management of your energy mm. is a really important idea. And so what I mean by that is, you know, um, let's just say everyone has like eight work hours in a day, whatever that might mean, and you have a series of tasks to get done. If you have a whole bunch of tasks that you like really know that you'll avoid, right, and you really know that you don't like or whatever they may be, try to find a way of arranging the order of the work that you do that's going to, like, you best utilize your energy. So, like, for example, for me, you know, um, 
I very often like to do like my deep work or deep thinking at night time. Yeah. So, you know, like you've gone to bed, <laughs> I'm like, night, sweetie. Yeah. And then I stroll down the hallway to the office and, you know, I might work for two, three, four hours or whatever. And that for me is the best time of the day where I'm like, strangely, I feel quite awake. I feel quite energized. I don't have any disturbances or distractions. So if I really need to think about stuff, I'll do it then. See, whereas I'm first thing in the morning. Yeah, yeah. correct. correct. Yeah. So this is the whole idea of like managing your energy. So you, you want to get up and have a coffee and then you want to think, you want to take notes yeah. and write stuff down, plan whatever it is. Whereas for me, like, I'm the opposite, right? And so mm-hmm. I think you have things that you need to do, tasks, they require effort. You have to slot that effort into time. But the only way to have an effective arrangement of your time is to figure out like what energy do you have when for what things. Yeah. And you need to you need to manage to that. And again, I say this in the context that if you want extreme results, whatever it may be in your life, you've got to do extreme shit. Mm. Right? You know, so if you're not willing to do that, then you have to accept, all right, well, I can't work 14 hours a day every day. Yeah. Maybe I can only work seven effective hours a day. Okay. Well, you're gonna get really good. Mm at figuring out when your high and low energy times are and attributing or associating work effort during that time that is going to be the best kind of return on effort and return on investment from a time perspective. And you're also like Google Calendar is like your Bible. Yeah, so I, I literally, my Google Calendar is from when I open my eyes until when I, when I close my eyes. Even to the point of like drop on or off at school or... I account for everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything is accounted for. Um, yeah. For me, I love Google Calendar for mostly like work and mm. meetings, but then I love to write down everything. Like yeah. even my day, even though I kind of know what what I have, I like to write it down again to just make sure mm. I like refresh my mind. I'm big on like, I'm big on lists yeah. and efficiency and pre-planning. So I need yeah. to know what my week consists of, which is why I get really upset when people like cancel or move meetings. So I'm like... <laughs> 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 And I think this is a good point too, right? It's like not not every system is going to yeah. work for every person. You need to be flexible. Yeah, and so like, I mean, I, in saying that, I do think the idea of writing things down works for everybody. Mm. It's just that not everyone likes how it feels because mm. it can be a little bit confronting. But I think outside of like, you know, how you articulate it or document it or whatever, outside of that, like what you do with your time, when, how you do it, a list, not a list, post-it notes, not post-it notes, whatever they are, it really doesn't matter. It's ultimately about figuring out like what what do I need to do to make sure I get this thing done in this time. I also think um, like reflecting each, whether it be week, fortnight, month on your goals, like something <coughs> I noticed with the last six months of the year is as Toby and I were rewriting our goals for 2024, I went back on my 2023 goals and I was like, oh, like I achieved that. And then there was some things mm. I was like, oh, like, yeah, that really, that, I really didn't pull through on that one. So I think yeah. going back to that list every however long and actually yeah. making sure sometimes goals will change. So yeah. whether you're altering goals or just keeping yourself accountable, I do think. Well, this yeah. is an important thing too, right? Like, yeah, goals will change because reality changes around us. Our life changes. We move, relationships, work, whatever it may be. You know, and regardless of the reason why things just change. Um, so we should always have like you know, this, this openness and optionality for change. But again, like coming back to the whole writing things down thing, when you are doing the change and or making a change of goals or work or whatever it is that you might be doing, don't lie. Mm. Don't lie to yourself. Yeah, and this is a really, <laughs> really interesting thing. Um, well, you and I have spoken about this before, the idea of human beings like self-governing, mm. right? So it's like, oh, I manage myself. And as yeah. human beings, we all manage ourselves. Well, we manage you know, what we do in our life, right? And I always use this example. It's like, you know, if, if human beings or and individuals were really good at self-governing, then if you went to a... Uh, yeah, a supermarket. Yeah, if you went to a shopping center, then all of the trolleys would be in the trolley base, and there would be no need for a person to reorganize the trolleys because people would know. Well, I've got a trolley; it's got stuff in it. I'm going to take it out and put it in my car. 
And when I'm done with it, I got to put it back in the trolley. Don't lie bag. to us, everyone on this, everyone listening to this podcast. There's been a, t- a moment in time where you have not put your trolley away, yeah, 100%. or you've put it away in the wrong spot. Yeah, Let's and so if humans could self-govern, then things like as simple as that <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be needed. And so when we think about the idea of setting goals, we have to be honest with ourselves. It's like we, most of us, are not that good at self-governing, which is why writing things down is a really, really good way not only to have coherent uh, you know, uh, and, and articulate thoughts, but to actually have like a documented written record because that will drive emotion mm. too. You know, there's no negative emotion with failing goals if they're not real. Yeah. And you can just run away from avoid them. If they're written down and real, and to your point, you go back and look at them at whatever time later and you go, oh, yeah, they're really good at that. Oh, I actually feel good about that because I did this stuff. Oh, but yeah, I didn't really achieve that. Mm. Yeah, okay, and that's probably fair because I didn't do these things. So you can actually have honest, yeah. your reflective conversations. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought, why not pick your brain a little bit when it comes to business? Sure. I get a lot of questions around that. So let's tie the two together, shall we? <laughs> when it comes to business, is it a whole nother ball game when it comes to goals? Do you set similar to your personal goals? Like what's the process like? Mm-hmm. Or should the two be quite similar? Yeah. As in how you set personal goals? Is that how you set business yeah. goals, especially when you were running a business? Sure. Um, yeah. When did you, like, obviously when you started your business journey, did you know that the business had to have a strategy, a plan early on? Or? Huh. Yeah. Huh. Not a chance. And then again, this is yeah. a, coming back to what I said before about answering questions, mm-hmm. you know, like looking back, I, I, I try very hard to be as like honest as my memory will allow me yeah. to. Yeah, but there was a point in time where not a single person in any business that you know, I was a part of, no one knew the metrics, no one knew the financial results, no one knew the plan. We just, I was like, yep, cool, we're going here, run. Nice. Yeah, and, and, uh, for those of you playing at home, that doesn't work. Yeah. It really doesn't work, right? So I think like, you know, to, to go back to kind of the initial outset of the, you know, questions, I think, you know, some of the obvious and interesting differences between goal setting individually and goal setting for businesses is really obviously the divergence in controls. And so what I mean by that is like, you know, in order to control myself, I only need a few things to control myself. Mm. I have to have these habits, I have a spreadsheet, I have a to schedule and you know, whatever it is and that that's enough to kind of control or govern yeah. you know the outcomes in my life when operating a business you have to be cognizant of the idea that let's say out of every hundred decisions that are made however big or small those decisions are mm-hmm. even if you own the company even if you're the ceo you're probably making less than two or three percent of those decisions purely by virtue of the fact that as a leader, you do less work than everyone else. You might work longer hours, but you do less actual raw work, which means you're mm-hmm. making less incremental decisions day to day. Your decisions might be bigger and have more impact, maybe. But there's if there's a team of fifty people, you're one of forty, mm-hmm. uh, one of fifty. So there's four, there's forty nine others. They're actually making a lot more decisions than you, yeah. and therefore, by virtue of that, the ability to govern or control that those decisions are in alignment with the goals of the business and alignment with how you would make those decisions, et cetera, et cetera, is incredibly complicated. Yeah. Um, you know, so just to simplify that, the idea of goal setting in a business obviously comes under, you know, this notion of strategic planning, you know, strategic planning or a strategy really comes under this idea or this phrase that you are creating a believable plan to deploy your resources today to create a future outcome. And what and so to look about this, like the future outcome is effectively the goal, right? But a strategy kind of consists of the goal in combination with the resources, humans and money, you know, that you might use to deliver work as a part of a plan, right? And that all has to be believable. And what I mean by that is that, you know, if it doesn't make sense, it's like, oh, last year we went from 
one million to one and a half million dollars in revenue. But this year we're going to do a hundred. It's like, well, you know, convince me that's got to yeah. be believable, yeah. right? You know, and so I think from a planning perspective, you know, business versus personal, it's just there's more layers of information, there's more fidelity required, there's more, you know, kind of structure on whatever purely because you're trying to influence and align more people. Okay. And obviously early on when you started to implement things like strategic mm-hmm. planning and, <coughs> you know, objectives, KPIs, et cetera, what was it like a ah moment where you're like, oh, this actually works? Yeah. Is there a moment for you where you kind yeah. of – because it's all good for people to tell you what to do, right? Yeah. But then to implement it and for it to work, yep. obviously is going to, you know. Yeah. So I think in, in an interesting kind of turn of events, you know, I, early on in my career, I thought the idea of like, if you had a plan or a strategy, that that would kind of get you where you wanted to go. That's not at all true, right? You know, you, because then, well, if you have a plan and it's kind of, you, let's assume in the extreme case, got a plan, cool, set and forget, it will magically happen. We arrive straight back in self-governance land with the shopping trolleys. Yep. You're effectively expecting in you know, our test case, 49 other people to just do the right thing every day mm. and make the right judgment calls every day in line with those goals, assuming that they understand, and that's a big assumption, assuming that they understand what the goals mean and all that. So having the plan is great, but it's only really a small part of an overarching system, which I think needs to exist. So you need to have the plan. I think you need to have a way of measuring that, which is normally the budget. And then I think you need to have a um, a almost um, metronome-like system. So a metronome is a thing that keeps musicians in time when they play music. That that becomes the heartbeat of the organization. So we schedule meetings around that. Mm. You know, we're going to review the strategy. We're going to review progress. We're going to review performance. We're going to review the budget, whatever that might be. I think you need to have the intersection of those three things to actually you know, really bring it to life. And that's that. those three things are kind of the answer to how do we control, govern, and influence mm. 50 people as opposed to one, one. when setting personal goals. And when those three things were implemented and kind of working, mm-hmm. did you find most of the time you would hit the goal? Well, so th- this is an interesting thing. So I-, I would say the journey started from hitting less of the goals to progressively over time hitting more of the goals. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that... Um, you were so setting more realistic goals? Well, if maybe I substitute the word realistic for like more informed, okay. right? Because early on, and and so yeah, I when I'm talking to founders and management teams about budgeting, mm. you know, um, I will very often say, like the first budget that you do will be the least accurate, mm. and then your goal every quarter or two quarters, however often you you kind of update and reforecast, every quarter or two, your job is actually to find a way to get closer to predicting what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, you know, and so over time, as you set goals, you get better at setting them. You know what data to look at. You make better judgment calls. And this is, you know, in simple terms, this is why people who are very highly paid corporate executives or very serially successful entrepreneurs do better than everyone else because they've spent time building the capability to make better judgment calls. Mm. You know, set goals that are achievable, create plans that can be delivered, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Did you struggle to manage both business and personal goals when you were in, you know, the grunt of it mm. all or did you mm. find you were kind of always on top i always talk about things like i feel like life has seasons mm. and sometimes you mm. know business might be more of your priority than it might be like your personal relationship yeah not that they can't always be prioritized <coughs> but did you feel like you could always stay on top of all of your goals when you yeah. were setting them or so i think like in an interesting way i think part of the part of the model that people have here is a little broken. Mm. Um, and so like a, a, an example on almost the same vein is this idea of like, oh yeah, how do you balance your kind of like personal and professional life? It's like, well, I don't. Mm. I just have a life. 
Mm. And in that life, I include things that I want to do and I try to balance those things together. So I'm not weighing my career against everything else. You know, I'm saying, well, I have, you know, our relationship, you know, uh, we have a family. Mm. Um, I have personal uh, hobbies like, you know, exercise and jujitsu. I like to try and play chess at the moment. I like to read. You know, these are all things that I want to get into my life, right, as well as my work. So it's not work versus every single other one of those things. It's about, well, what are the things that are important to me and what do I want to do when? Mm-hmm. And so I think in terms of like from a goal-setting perspective, um, a really useful way of thinking about this is to separate for the context of the business, and I'll tie this back in a sec, but, you know, to separate the goals of the business from what you have to do to get there and I emphasize you. So like, for example, you know, if you're a founder who owns a company and you want to, the business is an individual organism or entity Mm. of its own it will live and breathe fine without you doing everything Mm. right now if you're worried that you're not doing everything it'll break well then that's just a problem for you to solve Mm. it doesn't change that you can have that goal professionally for that business Mm. because that business isn't you and a lot of people they uh you know merge their identity with their business which is totally understandable but the business can do things without it needing to have 100% of everyone's kind of time and effort all the time. And that's part of managing resources and whatever, which is a skill that takes some years to build, right? So like from a personal and professional goal setting perspective, it's like, well, you don't like uh, as an individual, your professional goals are not the business's goals. Mm. The business's goals yeah. are the business's goals. You might have like a thing you want to achieve with that, but it's still the business's goal. It's not mm. yours, right? From a personal perspective, I would say that a better way of looking at this for people is, well, that the business represents a vessel for them to achieve a personal financial goal. Yeah. Right. Which is a more nuanced way of looking mm-hmm. at it. So like your personal goals might be your know, health, family, finance. For most people, finance is going to be either like their job or their business that they run or, and maybe they have a few investments or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So that business really just represents one of your assets and you might have a goal. I want to make sure that that asset is successful. Yeah. Now that company might have a com- its own complete independent strategy, but they're not necessarily meant to be the same thing. For someone who loves reading as much as you, mm-hmm. can you give us some personal recommendations when it comes to business and personal success? Are there any mm-hmm. standouts that you think we should all read? Yeah, look, I it's a long list, eh? It's a long list. <laughs> I think um I think with this stuff and also like in the vein of, you know, goal setting and all these sorts of things, um, there is, you know, a longer version and an abridged version of this. But my favorite business author uh, is a guy who is no longer with us. His name is Peter Drucker. And he has a series of different books, but there's like one in particular, which is called The Executive in Action, which is actually three books together. Anyway, one of those books is called The Effective Executive. Now, whether or not everyone's going to become an executive or whatever is redundant, mm. right? Because that book is really a list of models and frameworks for like making decisions, managing your time, you know, being efficient, you know, this, that and the other, which are all requirements of executives, but also in my opinion, just humans in general, we need to make good use of our time. Mm-hmm. And so I think whether that's like a personal or professional endeavor, I think that's a great book. The only caveat to that is that it's a little, um, uh, it was, you know, written many, many, many years ago. Yeah. So the language is a little not so modern, yeah. right? Um, and I think alongside that, you know, you can have like all of the understanding of what to do, you know, and how to do it. But if you can't manage yourself internally, i.e., you know, your emotions, and you can't tolerate being like uncomfortable and disliked, you know, then I think that's complicated. And so I would probably look at, you know, when it relates to 
you know, like interpersonal skills. So from one person to another, I have said this many times to people. Disliked. Yes, the courage yeah, to be disliked. And I think if you read that book and don't get a lot from it, then read it again, right? <laughs> um, because you weren't paying attention, right? And so that's a really powerful book. But then I think, you know, um, alongside that, I think sometimes a good dose of like brutal reality can be good for people. And so, yeah, there's a few people, you know, um, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's um, coach, like, you know, personal fitness coach, um, you know, has written a few books. I've forgotten his name now. It's gotten past me. I think it's Tim something. Um, and then uh, another guy, David Goggins, who's, you know, a really extreme kind of like, you know, ultra marathon mm-hmm. runner. Now, do I think that either of those mental models are applicable to everyday human beings? Well, probably not because mm-hmm. they're not going to put in the level of, frankly, pretty in, intense effort or insane effort to do that but the ideas remain the same and in, in that like if you can't set goals be accountable be disciplined to whatever that level means to you well then just don't expect anything mm. and i think those books that are written by those guys i mean they're a little, they borderline a little bit on entertainment versus education and i always use this with books it's like you're either kind of reading education or entertainment got to be careful of which one but i think there's some interesting ideas in there so if you were to blend how to manage yourself with some business stuff how to understand yourself and how you feel with the courage to be disliked and then a little bit of a dose of reality with the goal setting stuff from those guys i think that would be a nice you know a nice collection yeah okay last question one piece of advice for everyone to achieve their goals this year oh god (laughs) these opening questions you get me every time i didn't see that one on the list before one piece of advice it's there it's on the bottom last question You can think about it. Well, yeah, and this is like super generic, but I had a conversation with uh, a guy I've been working with for a little while now. Yesterday, awesome guy, so lovely. I've actually known him for a very long time personally. He's now running you know, a couple of businesses and we have this like kind of interesting loop, conversation loop that we have, which he's making some great strides on from a development standpoint. And that is so initially we start working together and he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, I've got these two businesses. I think this one's going to fail. And I'm like, well, why is that? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I've lost these three clients. I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing about that? And he's like, oh, yeah, we just, you know, it's hard to get customers, you know, all these elaborate, you know, kind of frankly excuses and beliefs that it's impossible. And I was like, okay, well, have you got a database of people who are not customers and have never been? He's like, yeah, yeah, I've got a database. I'm like, how many's on there? He's like, a couple of hundred. I'm like, cool. Well, between now and next week, I want you to call a hundred of them and I want you to sign them up. And he's like, oh, it's just not going to work. You know, anyway, it's his belief system that's not going to work. Anyway, goes away, calls him up, like doubles his revenue. Mm. Yeah, in seven days. And so like the whole thing here is, coming back to what I said earlier, we as human beings will create like incredibly good, articulate, hyper-detailed stories in our mind about why there is reasons why we shouldn't do this, why it won't work, why it's not the right option, you know, why there's some other more comfortable thing over here. And he would constantly say like, oh, I've got this new idea for another business though. You want know, to have all these skills, I could just go and do this. I'm like, but, but just do the thing here. Mm. Like just I do this like thing first. I feel like that's so me. I love to talk about the reasons I feel like it's anxiety. Mm-hmm, 100%. Why I can't, why something won't work or how it could break mm. or why it could fail yep. rather than just accepting that, what will be will be yes. and just hopping up each day and chipping well, away, which I still do anyway, yeah. but I like to just stress myself out well, with but, all the other emotions. But here is, so then here is the advice, <laughs> right? So to, to answer the question in a business sense, when I work with people who in a commercial sense will say to me like, well, this will never ever work. And I'll go, okay, convince me. Right. And that requires them to use examples and data and whatever on a personal sense, right? Working with people on a, and personal goals to say, they're like, oh, you yeah, know, this isn't going to work. I can't do this. 
I'm not capable of doing this. I go, cool, prove it. Because if you are so confident that you're right, that this won't work, that that's wrong, this is impossible, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, the worst thing that could happen is that you do it and you were wrong. Because if you do it and you were right, it's like, well, okay, well, you proved that you were right. Now you don't know what to do that thing. But if you do it in spite of your avoidance and you were wrong, well, not only have you proved that you were wrong and that you shouldn't be silly and listen to those inner voices for these particular things, you've also just unlocked more opportunity. You had more success. So if you believe that you shouldn't be doing something for all these reasons, prove it. Do it. So do you think I say these things to myself because I'm scared to be accountable? Sometimes, sure. I think we all do. Interesting. I feel like I like just to like punish myself. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, but okay, let's just as a, as an idea, like yeah. just as a little idea, let's explore that, right? If someone has a particular thing that they need to do, and in anticipation of that, they feel substantial anxiety, anxiety being defined as concern or worry or fear about something happening in the future. That's a perfect environment that you've created mentally to not do the thing that you need to do, mm. right? And so the more intense emotions that you have and the more thoughts and beliefs that you create in anticipation of something that maybe you perceive as being uncomfortable, the more intense that gets, then the more likely you are not to do it, mm. right? And so I often use this as a... Um, as a good you know calibrator for myself internally i'm like oh if i if i having all these like defensive thoughts and avoidant thoughts and whatever i'm like well i know i probably i probably should either a just do it or b figure out why that's happening mm. you know what am i not like consciously aware of because like i said before as humans we are so incredibly we're good we're experts mm. at avoidance yeah like we are absolute experts at avoidance you know our whole um you know the human condition is effectively set up um, largely for self-preservation i.e don't die yeah. and all this sort of stuff now that's not really tremendously useful in a in a business sense or a personal sense but the proxy for that when looking at these things if we perceive them as uncomfortable or dangerous or emotionally conflicting will we create these stories mm -hmm. to avoid them so if that's true if you were having a conversation with someone else about oh, i really don't want to do this thing if they just turn around and said we'll prove it this happens to me so much with like social events Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, like I work myself up. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then I go and I, I have a great time. Yeah, but that's an example of prove it. Because if yeah. you were like, oh, yeah. I really don't want to go. And it's like, well, prove it. Worst case, you get there and you don't like it. You know what you do? Leave. You leave. Yeah. Right? You lost five minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour. Cool, great. And you collected more data to inform a future decision, right? Mm -hmm. But alternatively, if you just go and in your case, you have a good time. It's like, well, okay. So I've just yeah. proved to myself that all the anticipatory anxiety was actually just my brain inaccurately you know assessing a future mm. situation yeah well that's a whole nother conversation isn't it <laughs> <laughs> well that was that was so good i feel like people are going to get so much value out of that so mm. thank you honey for coming on we love Thanks to have you on the me. potty love you honey we'll have to do another one once uh we've got another ring oh, on yes. his finger yes after the wedding which is Oh my God, it's scary. It's like 13 weeks. 13 weeks on Monday. 13, 14 weeks, yeah. How are you feeling? If I'm so stressed now. I was going really well, but now we still haven't even booked our flights or anything. We have the, the list of flights. The wedding is booked, but we haven't booked our flights. Like, <laughs> sorry, what? We have the list of flights. We have the yeah, list. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, honey. And thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you thank on you. our next podcast. Thanks so much for joining us and we hope you loved today's episode. Make sure you follow our socials chatwithus.podcast on Instagram and TikTok to stay up to date with all of our show info. Chat, Chat soon. soon.